Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome to another episode of We're Talking. Craig Molossaw and tonight, Jay Walker, Voice of the Cajuns. Jay, you know, I think last week some of us might have had a little bit too much to drink. I'm not going to say who, but I might have been one of them. I see. Uh huh. So tonight, a uh, little wild turkey, aged 13 years, father and son by Jimmy Russell and Eddie Russell, who uh, Jimmy Russell was a master distiller uh, wild turkey for 30 plus years. His son, Eddie, now is. Uh, is the distiller? What, what What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's It's excellent. I, I I like it a lot. It's very smooth. Very. It's It's a limited edition. If you guys are traveling around the country, I shouldn't say around the country. If you're traveling outside of the country, look for it in airports. I, supposedly that's the only place it's being sold. Uh, I've had a friend uh, that was lucky enough to give me a bottle, and uh, we're going to sit down probably in the next two weeks and talk about bourbon. Saw a post on Raging Page and talking about bourbon and what whiskeys to drink and everything. I've got some friends, you know, and we might just have a couple and sit down and talk about them. Imagine that. So it doesn't take much for us to talk uh, bourbon, to talk sports. Or drink bourbon. Or drink bourbon, for that matter. So, let's talk about the Cajuns first. All right. Uh, good win. I won't uh-huh. say big win. Let's, let's face it. Ohio is not a very good team. Correct. But. I thought it showed a lot about the offense, a lot about the defense. Showed some different things that we hadn't seen yet. Your thoughts on the game? Well, there were there were two things that I said all week long that I wanted to see out of the Cajuns in that game on Thursday. I wanted to see them run the football successfully between the tackles, and they did. And I wanted to see the defense tackle better, and they did. Uh, Ohio had less than 100 yards of offense in the second half. And, uh, and the Cajuns, uh, you know, really put the game away. Middle of the third quarter to the end of the game really put that thing away. And I, uh, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot to say negative about what I saw. You know, Eli's 21 out of 29, but he had three drops. He made a poor decision on the intentional grounding. He didn't see the defender on the interception. And... Um, so those those were his two mistakes, but other than that, I thought I thought he did a good job. Folks said that they wanted to see Levi run more, and he did. Um, you know, you you had four running backs uh, until you know they of course put Terrence Williams in toward the end, but you had four running backs counting Levi, who had the carries in the game. They they all had you know somewhere in the same ballpark of the number of carries and the same number of yards and. So they they, uh, they spread the wealth, and um, I thought overall it was uh, it was very good. Great night for Montrell Johnson, getting in the end zone four times. And if there's one thing we've learned about Billy with this team, if it's uh, if it's if it's one yard to go, Montrell Johnson's going to get be in the game, and he's going to get the football. That that was fun to watch, watch him and everything. Let me ask you though, you talked about Levi's running. We all we've all heard about it for probably four or five years now. Were you surprised that he ran as much as he did? Was that something that you and Billy had talked about pregame? I did not get to hear your pregame. We did we did not talk about it pregame. Um, I'm never surprised if Levi runs a lot. I'm also never surprised if he doesn't. You know, I, and 
And I really think the opponent and the game plan has everything to do with that. You know, there are a lot of fans that will say, well, he needs to run more. Well, maybe against that particular opponent, it wouldn't be good for him to run more. So I, um, you know, I, I've said this many times that the dumbest coach in America knows more about calling football plays than I do. So I don't second-guess coaches. Um, I just understand that uh, you game plan differently every single time out. Well, you know, I think the amazing part, not amazing, that's that's probably very exaggerated term, uh, but a couple of things there was uh, the ability to move the ball. Uh, I thought we showed... Uh, very similar to what happened in 2019, the team took over in the third quarter and pulled away again. Yeah. And, and it was very similar. So we were on uh, Russ uh, Eisenstein, uh, not Einstein, and I am not an Einstein because I mispronounced his name so many times, but he was very gracious when he came on the show. Russ and I talked about a little bit on Top's program that he uh, that the teams, and again, I, I don't think we're the Southeast Conference, conference but the Sun Belt is very similar to the style as the Southeast Conference and the MAC is very similar to the Big Ten and I think the athleticism of the Cajuns came out I think the athleticism did what was different in that okay you had another MAC versus Sun Belt game Saturday all right and that was Coastal Carolina at Buffalo the difference between that game and the game on Thursday is Buffalo was a very physical football team and their physicality kept them in the game until Coastal Carolina's athleticism enabled them to have 500 and something yards even though they only won by three. The problem that Ohio had is they weren't very physical and in the in the MAC you got to be. It's a physical league and um I didn't see that they were the, uh, the kind of physical football team that I have seen from some Ohio teams in the past. Do you see their being there, I guess, for lack of a better word, how fans love you, a quarterback controversy at Ohio? Well, I, I will say this. Based on what I saw, Okay, I thought the dual threat guy was the better choice for, for the game on Thursday. Now It may not happen against a MAC team. Well, it may not. And, you know, there, there might be a little loyalty thing there because Rourke is the brother of Nathan Rourke, who was the quarterback the last time we played Ohio. Yep. Um, but I thought for the game last Thursday, I thought the guy who came off the bench, the dual threat guy, was the better choice. I also thought the number two running back was the better choice. Yes. Allison, uh, number zero. Well, I think uh, uh, the the uh, running back, Tuggle, Tuttle? Yeah. Tuttle. Uh, Tuttle. Uh, he had family from here. His mom was right. from here. So it was one of those things that I think that, which I agree with to a certain extent. I think, you know, you're going to want him to play. In, as, I mean, as, that was the first time his mom had seen him play since he was in junior college. So I think you, I think you give him the benefit of the doubt there a little bit. So, uh, and I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think the... Uh, the 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 plan there, and I, I thought that I thought they did a, a good job of that, mixing it up between the two quarterbacks, keeping the Cajuns a little bit off balance until the second half. But when when our offense is on the field a little bit a little bit longer, such as Duquesne's was, uh, it it it, it kind of stops their offense from doing anything. Yeah, and when they did have the football, I thought the Cajuns did a very good job of not letting them have much. And uh, 
So it, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be a 49 to 14 game, but the game went a lot like I expected it to. I expected the Cajuns to win it and win it handily, and they did. Yeah, I, I you know, I with with Dave and I, Dave Amato was on. I said 35-10 or 35-9, which I don't know why I said nine because I figured they would score a touchdown. Number nine. Number, number nine. nine. Yes, Revolution number nine. For those that want to talk about music, the Beatles. Uh, at the uh, supposedly at the end of it, if you play it backwards, uh, uh, John Lennon says, "I bury Paul in the death of Paul McCartney," which we could get into, which we could do a whole other show on because well, we could. I did a uh, actually my speech class in high school. I did I did twenty minutes on why Paul McCartney was dead. <laughs> now. I will, I will, you know, to get farther off yes, the topic. That's okay. We all. This is what. That's why we're talking, Jay. I, I watched the six-part McCartney. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. On but... Hulu, it was amazing. It was just amazing. I I want to. I I need to. I need to sit down and do it. There was um, now. Paul didn't say it quite like this. But, I, you know, I've always said that one of the most influential albums and one of the great albums of all time is the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds. Yes. Well, Paul, what he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, he said, that album came out and we said, uh-oh, we better do something, so we wrote Sgt. Pepper. Well, I, I, which is a awesome album, which also, which I don't think gets enough credit for it, the White Album, although some of, some of it is quite experimental, I think is a, a fabulous album. But, you know, if you look at the... Uh, if you look at the cover of uh, Abbey Road and you look at them walking across, the license plate on the Volkswagen says is the license plate number is 28IF, which supposedly... 28 if he was still alive. If he was still alive, yep. Paul would be 28. Oh, and I remember then, all that. And then the four of them walking across, John was the preacher, uh -huh. um, uh, Ringo was the pallbearer, and George was the, was the uh, gravedigger. And Paul didn't have any any shoes on because right. when you b get buried, they don't put shoes on you because no one sees your feet when they put you in the casket. They um. So he was he was the the the, the a AM radio station that was like the big station in Hartford when I was growing up. And I don't remember if it was something they did or a syndicated thing, but they did about a six hour. Paul is dead yeah. thing, and it was it was and they had all of these all this evidence. Right, I'm pretty sure I could. I could, I'm not sure I could get six hours in, but I probably could get two or three. I'm telling you, at the end of my at the speech class, there were three of us, and then my teacher said, "I'm going to announce that you're getting a B, but you're getting an A because I know this was all your work because I know you're I know you." So it was like. Uh, so no, uh, we were way off track, which is always fun. Wait, wait, yeah, the, the you know those that said, "Oh, we're going to listen to a podcast about football," are probably saying, "Y'all shut up." I know. Get back on track. Well, at least it's not that terrible tunes. So, which we could do a whole another show, well, on, and we will show. at some point. We will. So back to football. Let's uh, around. Uh, let, let's let's take a couple games around the Sun Belt. Uh, first, Georgia State. Um, Charlotte, yep, beat Charlotte. Beat Little Charlotte, who who won their first two games. Yeah, um, and, I, and Georgia State did not look good their first two games. No, they didn't. And Georgia State actually was a favorite in the game against Charlotte, just a couple points. I didn't get that. And they, um, but they won. So and they won. Um, you know, Georgia State for me has been the biggest disappointment in the oh. league so far. 
because I really thought, you know, we talked before the season started about the Cajuns and Coastal and App, and would anybody else rise to that level? And I thought if anybody had a chance, it was Georgia State, and I just have not seen it. Now, Claude Brown didn't play um, okay. in the game on uh, Saturday. So, But they won. Yep. A uh, little bit of surprise to me. Washington at, uh, Arkansas State at Washington. I don't know that, I mean, if you look, Washington lost to a, uh, uh, an FCS F- team in and then Arkansas, guys, Arkansas then, State put some some numbers up, I guess, against Memphis. Yeah, um, but one thing that's been true of the three Arkansas State games that's been played this year, and it goes back to last year, they're not good defensively. No, but I still expected them to score, do something. All of a sudden, and you looked at the game; it was twenty-eight nothing. Yeah, and you know it's a head well a head scratcher for me in that you had a quarterback controversy at Arkansas State last year. And, and one of them decided to leave. Yeah. And you still have a quarterback controversy because the guy Blackman that's come in that Butch Jones evidently likes, and and so they're playing two quarterbacks again. And, look, it's his football team. He can do what he wants with it, but really their thing right now is they got to get better on defense because they gave up uh, 50-something to Memphis. They gave up uh, 45 to Washington they even gave up more than they should in their first game against Central Arkansas. So that the issue they had a year ago, their defense is still an issue at Arkansas State. And, and again, that doesn't surprise me. I guess it just uh, just when you looked at it, and that that's what shows that you can't look at it. Well, this team beat this team, we beat that team, so we right. should have beat this team. Right. That shows right there that I mean because. Uh, not that I thought that was going to happen, but I just thought it would be a closer game than that. Uh, but when, when I saw 28 nothing to start out with, I was going like, whoa, this is getting out hand, hand quick. So before we go to break, let's talk about ULM and Jackson State. I don't know if you got to watch that game. I watched I, got part of it. It wasn't a good football game. I, I didn't watch it. Neither team could run the football. Uh, both teams had trouble moving the football. The ULM defense got three takeaways. That won the game for them. They didn't score a touchdown in the game, but... The, the, but the dude did kick four field goals, yeah. including a 49-yarder. Um, it is probably the only game ULM will win this year. It's going to keep them from going winless two years in a row. Yeah. Um, there were they announced 21,000 uh, for the game, and about 15,000 of them were Jackson State fans. Um, but the bottom line is they got to win, and and you know. Look, I've done games in seasons when the Cajuns were bad. And when you're bad, any time you get a win, it's like, oh, my God, this is so wonderful. So I'm happy for my buddy Nick Nick White yeah. up in Monroe, my counterpart up there. Nick is a tremendous, tremendous guy. Love Nick. Happy, very happy for him. Uh, and at the same time, they're, they're still not good. Well, I'll tell you, I, I did watch the end of the game. I was flipping through and doing different things, and I caught the very end. I, I watched. I was going through all the Sun Belt games, uh, Texas State and Incarnate Word, and then that one at the end. And I didn't really think of it until the end of the game, and I saw Dion and Coach Bowden talking, and it dawned on me that Dion played for Bobby. Sure did. And they spent some time talking, and you could tell it was personal sure. between the two. And that kind of, the big softy I am, I mean, it got me a little choked up, and I'm sitting there going like, 
shit, I need another bourbon, or, I, I, <laughs> and, or I'm going to bed. So, I, I just I thought that was a great moment, and, yeah. and the timing of the game could not. Again, not a great football game, but those three minutes to four minutes they were talking were worth watching the game, in my opinion. It was just it was one of those things. So, but uh, we're going to take a break right now. You've been listening. To we're talking with Craig Melanson and Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Welcome back to We're Talking tonight, Craig Melanson and Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Jay, we, we've been around the Sunbelt a little bit now. I mean, Texas State plays Baylor tough. They beat FIU, FIU which uh, on the road. On the road, yes. And they lose at home to Incarnate Word. Are they the Jekyll and Hyde of the season yet? Well, you know, when, when I saw them play Baylor tough and then get a road non-conference win, and those have been few, to, few and far between for Texas State, I said, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, this is the year they take some steps forward. Now, Incarnate Word is a very good offensive football team. I, I, I'll say this. The Southland Conference, well, of course, UIW now, I, are they one of the teams that moved to the WAC? No, they're still they're still in the Southland. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at Nichols, Southeastern, and Incarnate Word. Those are three teams that really can can score the football. And but at the same time, you can't lose those games. You just can't. No. You can't lose those games. And um, so they took a step backward. And and I think for anybody, you know, Texas State fans were probably like Charlie Brown and Lucy, you know, uh, and and Lucy pulled the football back. Right at the last minute, Charlie Brown fell on his ass on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, that was not good. That was not good. Um, and, you know, something that I'm realizing is there's been a lot of talk about the Cajuns winding up in the same conference with Southern Miss. Yes. Will Hall's got his work cut out for him over there. They, they are just, they have trouble even moving the football. Uh, you know, South Alabama beat them 31-7. to Troy, you know, held them to single digits uh, in the game last night. So Will Hall has got a lot of work to do over at Southern Miss. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think for someone like him, that seems to be a very competitive guy. That's a great challenge for him. But at the same time, um, I don't always pull for our brethren, but I think that was a great win for the Sun Belt to continue their dominance over uh, the, uh, the Conference USA. So. Yep. Uh, must must win games to me, you know. When you can, especially those games. Don't get me wrong. Want to beat the American? I want to beat anybody. But at the same time, Conference USA. I would love to see when it all the dust settles. We've got the Cajuns and a couple other uh, Southern Miss, a couple other Tulane. All of them in a conference. Maybe not together, but in a conference. Maybe it's the Sun Belt. Maybe it's the American. And then, then you've got Louisiana Tech. On the outside, looking in, there's like three guys left in the Conference USA, and they're just sitting That's with their finger. Nice. Oh, yes, it, it's 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 the nicest thing I could have said because what I really want to say no, is they're sitting with. Yes, I'm telling you, they're going to sit there with their thumb up their ass, and they have nowhere to turn. So, boy, I'll tell you, you talk about a snake bit football oh. team. You know, they the Mississippi State game to open the season. They're twenty something point underdogs. They're down fourteen to nothing. They come storming back. They go up 34 to 14. Mississippi State comes back, takes a one-point lead. Tech gets into field goal range. The field goal gets blocked. And then they win. And then 
And then they get beat yesterday on a Hail Mary, but it was a designed Hail Mary play where, you know, when Ricky Bustle was coaching the Cajuns, the Cajuns blocked a lot of kicks, okay? But not only that, but when they blocked a kick, it always seemed like there was a dude who was there to pick it up and run it. And it was all by design. I mean, he had the thing as far as, okay, if you hit it right here at this angle, this is where the ball's going to go. And so, dude, you're going to be right here, and you're going to score a touchdown. So, and, and it would happen. But this play was a designed tip play where instead of going up and trying to catch the ball, you go up and you tap it to a guy who's not in the middle of that pile, and it worked. And you tap it backwards towards where the pass came from so it's not an illegal forward pass. Correct. So it, it was awesome. So what you're saying is we need to hire Dennis Washington or Bryce Wash, uh, De- De- Dennis Washington, Dennis Rodman or Bryce Washington to tell us where the ball is going to come off as it hits something. Man, I, I, I just thought it was very impressive because it was a designed play and even with that, it's not going to work very often. No. Just like the percentage of blocking kicks, it yeah. wasn't. It only takes it that one time, but it worked. So, all right. So we we've been through a couple teams here. We still haven't talked. Uh, App State and Elon. 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 Again, uh, tell me what you told me a few minutes ago. Well, you know, App State had the emotional game against Miami, so I'm not surprised they got off to a bit of a slow start. But then they became App State and did pretty much what they wanted to do after that. Um, and, and I think that could have happened. I mean, somewhat, I think the Cajuns could have come out very flat against Ohio University and, and could have been punched in the mouth. And to a certain extent, they didn't because we drove down the field and scored. Yeah, I, I think this was a little bit different because oh, I, there was no celebrating in the locker room after the game after the game yeah. against Nichols. I, I think that if you'll if you'll pardon the Cajun expression, I think they were a little haunt. Yeah. Okay. And and as a result, I think that that was a pretty focused football team this past week. Uh, against Ohio, and and they didn't come out flat. They they you know they came out and Ohio hung with them for a while, but but the Cajuns were just were just better. So let's see who are we missing here. We said Georgia State, we said ULM, we got Texas State, uh, Troy. We talked a little bit about with Southern Miss, South Alabama, and uh, Alcorn. They were down at halftime. That that was a little bit weird because they had a bank of lights go out at Hancock Whitney, yeah. and that game was. Two and a half hours late in starting. It started yeah. at eight thirty, and um, South uh, they struggled in the first half. Uh, and Alcorn actually led at halftime. You know they come back, they get a two touchdown win. But you know you just don't know, man. You get yourself geeked to, geeked to play, and then something like that happens, and you know then you just don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know what to make of that game because of the fact they had something unforeseen happen. Which caused a delay? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can read anything into that with with everything that's going that happened that day. But here's something interesting: South Alabama will come into the game against the Cajuns a week from Saturday, three and zero, because they have a bye week this week. So they'll oh. be undefeated when the Cajuns go to Hancock Whitney Stadium 
a week from Saturday. So I think the only game that we have left, correct me if I'm wrong, because I want, I want I did this on purpose. Georgia to, uh, Southern and Arkansas. Okay, that was the last one. Okay, that's what I did that because we're rolling into Georgia Southern Arkansas. Uh, man, I, I I tell you, the first quarter of that game uh, looked like it was going to be one of those eighty-four to nothing games. I thought it was going to be a blowout, well, and, and it wasn't close. Don't get me wrong. You know, Georgia, Georgia Southern made one play. Guy ran 75 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. And that was the only play they made. But they made a little defense. I mean, they kept... Well, the... no, I no, I think Georgia Southern is good enough defensively to where they're going to hold folks down for a while. Now, Arkansas was just too Right. Good. You know, Arkansas, look. Is Arkansas better than most people thought coming oh, into the season? Absolutely. Absolutely they're better than most people thought. They might be the second best team in the West. Really? They might be. Um, I think most people would still put their money on A&M as the second best team in the West. Yeah. But having looked at no, no, I'm sorry, I forgot about Ole Miss. Well, who yeah. might be the first best team in the West? <laughs> um, no, I. The thing, and and I want to talk more to Danny. You know, they had a different quarterback the first two games. They got yeah. Shy Words is gone. Okay? Right. He's at Louisville. And. As a receiver. The the thing that I want to talk with Danny about this week, Danny Reed, who does play-by-play for Georgia Southern. Danny will be on Tuesday morning um, with us. It's They threw it 23 times. That's a lot of throws. Yeah. Now, my question is, is that kind of by design this year? Are they throwing it more? or Or did the game dictate? Because even when it was not, when Arkansas wasn't running away with it, they were still throwing it an awful lot. Do you think it, I mean, I, I, to me, it was one of those games that reminded me of a Cajuns game 20 years ago where the other team was, uh, the SEC team was just bigger, stronger, faster, and you had to figure out a way to get the get the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. And if that was passing, well, you know, something, you, you knew you weren't going to run on them. Right. To me, that's what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern's one and two. Uh, their win was a very close win. Over Gardner Webb, yeah. Not surprised they weren't competitive in the game against Arkansas. The game that I look at that makes me go, okay, what's wrong with this team? Was they got blown out by three touchdowns at FAU. Now FAU is pretty good. Yeah. Okay? they're going to be one of the they're one of the favorites in Conference USA this year. But still, you know that's a Conference USA school. That's a peer conference, and you were barely competitive in that game. That's a concern. Um, you know, Chad Lunsford is a really, really good guy. Yeah. I've met him a couple times. Great we, guy. We met him at media days. I, his, I'd love to sit But and... his seat is hotter than ever. Yeah, I agree. And, and they got to find a way to turn some things around there. Uh, and I just hope it's not this week. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malonsa and Jay Walker, Voice of the Cajuns. Jay, so we play Georgia Southern this weekend. Um for those that are listening, we'll we'll have Colin Lacey. We'll do a Sunbelt uh, recap uh, Monday, sometime Monday, and post it on Monday. And then Tuesday, Danny Reed, voice of the uh, Georgia Southern Eagles, uh, will be on with us on Tuesday to talk more Cajuns and, uh, and Eagles. So going into, where do you think the Eagles have not looked good? Uh, Cajuns look good. 
I don't understand the people that th- thought we struggled against Ohio. I just don't get that. Yeah, I think we, we struggled. Uh, you can say we struggled a little bit against Nichols too, but at the same time, the game wasn't in doubt. I mean, we I guess had, we you, had 500 yards in offense yeah. in the game the other day, and and Ohio didn't have 100 yards in the second half. Now, tell me where we struggled. I totally agree. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing from the people. Well, the people are the people are talking to me, Jay. Well, hey. <laughs> I'm going with the people. I'm going with the no, people. No, I'm just, I'm trying to, oh, look at that. I did not know the hair was back. He was in, with the Ravens. What was his name? Uh, Buddy Buddy Ryan's kid uh, that coached for the Saints for a while. I'm just, we're watching. Um, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know either. Yeah, he's evidently, he's with the Ravens. All right. What was his name? Uh, not Buddy. Uh, but, uh, so what What do the Cajuns need to do in Europe? I mean, I know we, obviously, I'll well, Craig, that's a stupid question. The Cajuns really need to outscore the other team if they want to win. What do the Cajuns need to do? Uh, and I'm not asking you for three things, whether it's offense or defense. But what are, what are what are what are some things the Cajuns need to do, both offensive and defensively, to beat Georgia Southern? I think the thing with Georgia Southern is you can't give up the big play against them, and they're a, they're a team that because of what they do, they're very capable of breaking the big play. If you if you miss an assignment in the option, uh, you know, or, or they run, they run the read real well. Two years ago, when the Cajuns played, I thought that overall the Cajuns did a good job of not giving up big plays against them. So I think that's the first thing. Defensively, you can't give up big plays. Well, that's always against that against that team, though, yes. because they we've seen them come back offensively. And, and here is the other thing: against Georgia Southern, you have to be able to tackle in space. Because a lot of times you're going to be in a one-on-one situation, so I th- I think for a spotter that's great because you only have to call out one number. I I think that when you play Georgia Southern, the biggest key is always your defense. Um, I think Georgia Southern has got I think they're a, a decent defensive football team. Um, and here's the other thing, okay? Georgia Southern does not beat itself. No. You have to go out and beat them. Two years ago, they led the FBS in turnover margin. They were plus 23. And and last year, they were still plus 8 or 9, okay? Um, but that wasn't enough for them, and, and they wound up 7 and 5. You can't turn it over because you're not going to get many takeaways against them. They don't beat themselves. And, and I think that's been consistent of Georgia Southern ever since they've been in the Sunbelt Conference. If I remember correctly, we might have had a muff punt or two that kept them in the game, too. Well, Eric Garrer, uh two years ago, yeah. muffed a punt, which uh, gave him the ball at like the 14-yard line, and, and they were able to score a touchdown. And, and, then, yeah. and then last year, we beat them on a last-second field goal. Uh, last year, yep. So... My point being is that we've always had a little bit of trouble with them. It hasn't been an easy game. Uh, similar, I won't say similar to South Alabama because we finally got off that hump where the home team had won all those games. Uh, interesting game coming up. And as uh, we both talked about, our friends Danny Reed and Colin Lacey, uh, always tough for me when we play those guys because at the end of the day, you know, when you hug those guys goodbye, one of us has kind of got a little tear in eye because we thought this would be the year that we would do this or we would this would be the year they would do that. And uh, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball or anything, it's great to see those guys. Always. You know. Oh, 
anyways. So, well, Jay, any last comments? Uh, anything you want to talk about? I know you talked about the, uh, I saw one, I believe, on one of your posts of talking about the Penn State and all that. And uh, for years I was a Penn State, a huge Penn State and George Paterno fan. Uh, George Paterno, shoot, Joe Paterno. And I have not had that much to drink tonight, as like last week. Uh, Joe Paterno fan, but you know the whole thing with uh, Sandusky and everything, really, and and I really felt like the fans really did not grasp all of that what happened to them, and that, it's very disappointing. But I'm not an SEC guy, so well, you know we've 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 gotten, you know, a decade has passed. Just has it been that long? Almost, and uh, I guess I got to let it go. And so you know you've got. Anybody who was involved with that isn't there anymore. Right. And and um, Penn State, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know outside of the SEC if it's the most passionate fan base, but it doesn't take long to call the roll. Okay? Yeah. That's an incredibly passionate fan base. And really, when you look at the northeastern part of the United States, you're a Penn State fan, or you're a BC fan, or you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. Okay. If you like college football, um, they do the whiteout better than anybody. Oh. Uh, there was so much passion there. Um, it it was just great. That that was. I enjoyed. I watched three football games Saturday. I watched Coastal Carolina and Buffalo. I watched Alabama yeah. and Florida, and then I watched Penn State and Auburn. And they were they were all great games. Alabama Florida was a heck of a game. Oh, it, a it, game. Ma it became a good game, I should say. Now, I am gonna I, I'm gonna leave folks with this, and I'm gonna talk about LSU for a second. LSU defeated Directional Michigan, and and beat them handily. LSU still can't run the football even against Directional Michigan. LSU still gave up its share of points even against Directional Michigan. I'm looking at the nine games that LSU has left, and I'm having trouble finding more than three wins. That wasn't because, the case at the beginning of the season. Because Arkansas is much better yes. than we thought. Um, Ole Miss is considerably better than we thought. Auburn is about what we thought. A&M, Alabama... Kentucky is a better team than people realize. Florida is going to give LSU hell. I'm not saying they're, they're going to go 0-8 in the SEC, but I can make a case for them doing that. I yeah. don't think it'll happen. But in order to be bowl eligible, they've got to win three conference games, and I don't know what three it's going to be. Mm. I, I have not seen. And, and I saw a lot of people, social media, and, and, and even writers well, LSU looked much better. Yeah, but Central Michigan is not. Central SEC. Michigan is not a good football team. Okay? Now, LSU's season, in my opinion, rides on next week against Mississippi State. If they can't beat Mississippi State, they are they might be in. Tiger fans that are listening may not like this. They might be looking at three and nine. We won't go into Coach O right now and all that, but uh Dr. Maggart, Nico, if either one of you are listening right now, one thing I can say about Penn State, I've got a very good friend that has invited me up there for a game. One thing I know about programs like that, 
they print whiteouts on their ticket. So when their when their season ticket holders get the the the, the tickets each year, it says this section wear white, this section wear red, and they alternate. And when it's a whiteout, they say at the beginning of the season, this is a whiteout. We don't need any more of this blackout the week of the game, whiteout the week of the game. Think about it. That's all I'm saying. Love you, Dr. Maggart. Love you, Nico. You guys know what you're doing. For Jay Walker, I'm Craig Malasa. Thank you for listening to We're Talking.